Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You think about the person in your life, when you started... Believe in you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about, our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Oh, enjoy your lunch, 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 lunch. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man who, if he tweets anything these days, he gets arrested and thrown in jail. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> That's me. You're not having a good time on Twitter, mate. No, I I, I enjoy it. I embrace it. It's, and I and I deliberately bait it as well, so I, I take responsibility and, uh, and joy. Mm. Yeah, I, I um sometimes I enjoy just not looking at your tweets, but looking at the replies to your tweets. <laughs> Maybe from you, um, clapping back at people. Yeah, very entertaining. Have you tried that, Bardi? It's a good, it's a good little hobby. I recommend it. What upsetting people on Twitter? No, <laughs> reading Nathan's replies to people who he's upset on Twitter. Oh yeah, I quite, I quite admire his uh, bravery at just doing one word answers of yes <laughs> and no. <laughs> or I get paid to do this. That really, that really. <laughs> they love that one. I'm, I'm a professional football analyst. They love Would that. You, one. you, you are no. You do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a podcaster, aren't I? <laughs> it's funny though, isn't it? So, Bardi, what was with your hello? I. I, I nearly bottled it because it was a Hungarian hello and um, I've been in Hungary all weekend and I kind of wandered around the whole city feeling quite ashamed of my of my lack of Hungarian knowledge. I like, couldn't even say thank you. You just wander into places. A lot of, as, as an English native speaker, we wander into places <laughs> and just start immediately talking in English and expect everyone else to, to kind of figure it out. And yeah, so I thought I'd start with a little bit of a, a nod to our Hungarian friends. Nice. For their, for their hospitality this weekend. It's a, it's a lovely, I went to Budapest, it's a lovely, lovely city that uh, if you want it to be romantic, it could be romantic. If you want to go out on beers, it could be that as well. It's great. Sounds awesome. Mm. Sounds lovely. Um, Just uh, because I know a few people will be interested, a little review of Blacklog where I went on Saturday. Actually, I did two things on Saturday which were fantastic. I went to see a Midsummer Night's Dream at the Globe. Definitely strongly recommend a trip to the Globe if you get the opportunity was chucking it down luckily we were sat under under uh, cover so we didn't get soaked but a lot of people did but really that was great really enjoyed the play and then we went to Blacklock, which is a fairly well-known uh, restaurant which is now a chain in central london and uh so the thing that they're famous for is this dish called all in and it's like a lot it's a chop house essentially so you get lots of chops of meat really well cooked meat good quality um my partner vanessa is not keen on pork so we didn't have the all in uh, which a lot of people had recommended to me. Instead, we had a porterhouse between us, porterhouse steak between us, and it was so good. Uh, strongly recommend Black Clock. Hell yeah. Yeah, really nice place. Good cocktails too. Um, congratulations to Steve, our friend, on his wedding this weekend. I uh, hope it all went well. And I've got a brilliant message to read. Um I mean, it's mainly directed towards Bardi, so I'm going to enjoy it even more. But um, this is one of the best messages I've received in a long time in relation to the podcast. Dear The Extra Inch, 
I've been a listener since day one and have never felt compelled to write before. But given your commitment to stats and facts, I was shocked to hear you of all people spreading fake news and disinformation. I'm oh, talking, yes. of course, about middle-aged men declaring kids don't play with Barbie anymore. <laughs> Barbie insisting it disappeared for ages and nobody is talking about Barbie. And Nathan agreeing, as you correctly say, I don't think oh, kids are no. playing Barbie right now. As a father of girls aged eight and five, I can gladly set the record straight. Kids still love and play with Barbie all the time. My girls have a Barbie camper van, ambulance, summer house, aeroplane, open top car, speedboat, and probably 20 plus dolls of Barbie, Ken, Chelsea, Skipper, Stacy, and various other characters, and not a week goes by they don't get played with. It's also a huge it's also huge on a niche streaming platform called Netflix. They and by extension <laughs> I have watched multiple times all 26 episodes of Barbie Dreamhouse Adventures, all 26 episodes of Go Team Roberts, all 26 episodes of Barbie It Takes Two, all 12 episodes of Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse, plus feature lake specials, Chelsea The Lost Birthday, Barbie Princess Adventure, Skipper and the Big Babysitting Adventure, Barbie Big City, Big Dreams, Barbie <laughs> Epic Road... Barbie Dolphin Power, Barbie Video Game Hero, my personal favourite, Barbie Mermaid Power. It may have had a fallow period at some point in its 60 plus years of existence, but the last decade it's been pumping out much loved TV content and toys. Sorry, and the toys are evergreen. For the last five years, it's made over $1 billion in sales. In Barbie sales alone, Mattel could buy Spurs and they know, they arguably know more about success and ambition than our current owners. Nathan is right that the film is not just aimed at kids, but it still holds appeal. My girls saw the trailer ostensibly aimed at them when we went to see The Little Mermaid, and though it's a 12A, they were desperate to see it. Uh, We're not confused and weren't at all bored. I would argue that maybe you're never too young to take in pro-feminist messaging, and if it's wrapped in pink and decorated with catchy pop bangers, then everyone wins. If there's anything good to come out of this sorry saga, it's this... I was a bit worried when Bardi analysed Vicario, but now I know he talks with great authority, whether informed or otherwise. I'm much more relaxed about our new number one. Keep up the good work. I'll never be a stick to football type, but please stay the fuck away from discussions of toys for young girls. <laughs> from Rich. Rich, wonderful uh, stuff. Wonderful stuff. Oh, I An get absolute to respond, dismantling of, uh, of Bardi. <laughs> Why? I would like to say thank you very much for taking time and effort to email us, which is always appreciated. Thank you very much. But I think your data set is all wrong, mate. Just because your kids play with Barbie doesn't mean anything. Uh, Anecdotal. We're going with anecdotal. What about the Netflix? What about the seven different series on Netflix? (laughs) No one watching them. I haven't seen one of those donut donut stats. I haven't seen any kind of sales (laughs) performance versus just because they're making a lot of money doesn't mean that a lot of people. It could be like nothing. G.I. Joe, what? what's G.I. Joe? <laughs> Tell me G.I. Joe's numbers. Tell me Pokemon numbers. There's proper numbers. I bet Pokemon's doing some big stuff. <laughs> but yes, I, I completely agree that I don't have kids. I barely know any children. And I just made an assumption, which was <laughs> incorrect. But my Vicario stuff was based on, on, on facts, mate. So don't come back with that. We'll see. We'll see. Come back. We'll, we'll chat again. Send another email in December, Rich. We'll have a chat then. <laughs> Mate, stadium name sorted though the the Barbie Dreamhouse Stadium. Mm. That's what I'm. Talking about. I do think perhaps um, because my name is obviously Bardi and Barbie. Um, Barbie has followed me and taunted me for most of my life because it's always been a, a really cheap and easy thing to take the piss out of me. Oh, Barbie! So um, yeah, maybe it's just I have a deep rooted hatred of, <laughs> of Barbie, and now I've just announced it to everybody. Now that's that's going to come back to haunt me. I think everyone listening to this should tweet Bardie to you. <laughs> oh Barbie no it's not met this a thing <laughs> um, good match against Shakhtar lads very enjoyable little return to mm. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium mm. very good fun so Nathan I liked your tweet uh, which was going through the last six years or so with Spurs all the way into this preseason I will never again doubt or hesitate to say that good football that's fun to watch is ever anything with a first priority Wendy would you take um uh, uh, thirty-eight game, five all relegation. No, <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Obviously not. No. I I do have a question though for for you two. Um, are we still a second half team? Because have we been? We haven't been winning at half time yet. Are we mm. still a second half? Are we second half Tottenham still? It, it's a really interesting question because. Um, the first two matches, obviously, we played a team, a different team in each half. And so people were sort of saying, look, the second half team is better than the first half team. 
And then in this game, we played the same team essentially in both halves and the same thing happened. The same pattern mm. uh, was present. So I I think there is some evidence that maybe we're wearing teams down maybe with our, with our yeah. patterns of play and, and spaces are being created off the back of teams getting a little tired mentally or physically. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested in whether anyone's done any analysis of Postacoglu Celtic to see whether they were more mm. of a second half team. Uh, perhaps that's something we can ask Dap, our uh, friend, about who is a sort of Spurs and Celtic fan. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think this is going to be a talking point. Yeah, there was um, a bit of a half time adjustment. I think we saw the wingers wider in the second half. For sure. Um, or at least shacked on narrower. Um, no, the, our wings were definitely starting wider. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, so more of a focus onto that. And obviously he laid into them because he wasn't happy with how the first half ended. Mm, yes. Um, Do you want to talk about that now? You did a little video on this. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was sort of just sort of an interesting clip that he, he was asked by um, Spurs in-house media, the presenter guy, Milesy, about about how pleased he was with the performance. And he said it was okay. Um, he looked really furious. Unhappy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he also, by the way, he took responsibility. He said, it's not on the players, it's on me. Um, but he said, um, he said that the last five minutes of the first half, he wasn't happy with. So mm-hmm. I, I went back and watched that five minutes and, and sort of did a little video talking through um, basically the intensity dropping off, um, Spurs looking to try and play it safe, both in and out of possession and how... Um, that's probably what they've been taught, especially by Conte and Mourinho. Um, but it's not true, which is what we saw under Conte and Mourinho, by the way. Um, but it also wasn't true in this game because we dropped off and conceded space and then we conceded a goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm kind of pleased that Postacoglu took this approach as if to say, you know, this is early days. This is a re- He said this is a reminder to him of where we're at. You know, we've had four or five really good weeks, but this is a reminder to me that we are not the finished article yet and there's still a lot of work to be done. And I really appreciate that kind of work in progress commentary um, because it's obvious, you know, there's going to be things that annoy him right now because the players, um, in in the way he described it, don't fully believe in the system yet. They're doing the things that he's told them to do, but they don't believe in the system yet. And, you know, your analysis, Nathan, highlighted that perfectly. You know, there's an incident where... Hoybier just absolutely smashes the ball into orbit rather than attempting a sort of more risky pass. And Postacoglu throws his arms up and turns around it with a furious expression and then says, play, play, play. You know, he wants the pass. Even if it's risky, take the pass. I'm not going to... He said it before so many times. I'm not going to be angry with you for trying the thing I want you to try. If you try and do the right thing, I'm going to back you. I'm going to have your back. Um, and, and there's going to be a bit of that, I think, especially given our preseason has been cut somewhat short. Uh, <laughs> so we, uh, our preseason is basically our first few games, um, hmm. it turns out. I think there's a there's a lot of things. I watched this. Um, I watched the majority of this on a airport transfer shuttle bus and then at once again at the airport and i think there's a, there's a hell of a lot we can take positives from this but i i still think there needs to be a couple of flags there's still some concerns um we we are really susceptible to any kind of ball over the top that's a worry i think we're really susceptible still to deep crosses into the box i think that's there's been a couple of goals pre-season we the lion sailors whatever they were called called scored from like that scored from that so did Shakhtar. i think there's a real worry at the moment from those kind of passes and those balls into our area so i think there's a lot of things going well but there's still a lot of concerns and i'm I'm nervous about this Brentford game. Yeah, I'm really nervous about it because I think we're coming up against a really well-oiled team who's going to drill us and hit long balls. And mm. yeah, I'm scared. That's their I'm game. That, that's yeah. Brentford. Like, they yeah. are a counter-attacking team. They beat Man City twice last season playing counter-attacking football. Um, and, and Tony is a huge loss. Don't get me wrong. Ivan Tony is a, a really fantastic Premier League striker and he's a big loss for Brentford. But Mbermo is an excellent player. Sharda or Sharda. Oh, he he smashed he us up last season, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. They've they've got really promising counter-attacking players and if we're not on it, we will be exposed for sure. Um I think uh one thing we're talking about is our offside trap. 
which I thought worked really well on a couple of occasions and really badly on others, which doesn't help with the ball over the top thing. There's one occasion where Emerson Royale is like five or seven yards deeper than the rest of the back line playing um, Shakhtar onside. We, we can't be making those mistakes because we're too high to make those mistakes. Uh, you you essentially, if you make that mistake, you give away a shot on goal. You give away a one-on-one chance, which is normally a, a pretty high percentage chance. Um and, and whilst you might not get punished against Shakhtar, you will against Brentford. Yeah, so defensively, um, we stuck to our 4-4-2, but we tucked our wingers in quite a bit narrower. Um, so I think Shakhtar were playing a 4-2-3-1 in possession. Um, so I'm guessing that means, again, unlike we saw last season, you're protecting your midfielders, you're you're avoiding getting overrun in midfield. And then in also in doing that, we're baiting the the diagonal ball out to the fullback or or winger um, on the touchline. And basically, sometimes we made that a difficult pass. Sometimes we stepped up our fullback um, to intercept that pass as it was being made. And other times, they successfully played around our press. And they didn't really turn into many great chances. Um, But I think that a better team will. And... um, we're going to concede goals. <laughs> We're going to concede goals. Whether we bring in uh, Van der Ven, looks like it's going to be done. If we were even to bring in Tapsoba, who I rate very highly, we're going to concede a lot of goals next season. Um, I think we have to sort of make a bit of peace with that and uh, embrace just scoring more and hoping that that works out and uh, and being entertained. But like, yeah, we're going to get to see. The thing is, um, yeah, Shakhtar didn't really threaten um in the end, from those opportunities, better teams will. But uh, the goal they did score is in those five minutes where we dropped off into our own half. And I think I'm actually more concerned about that. Again, we're going to talk about Van der Ven, but um, I think any time this season where we're not able to play our game and we're forced to defend in our own half, again, as we've seen the last several years, we're, we're going to be bad at defending our own box. We have to avoid defending our own box. We have to do as much defending on the halfway line yeah. next season as we possibly That's can. That's it, isn't it? That's it. I mean, the the just on Van der Ven, um, while we're talking about him, the goal, and Bardi mentioned this already, the goal we considered against Shakhtar, header at the back post, mm-hmm. player getting up above, giant Ben Davis. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think you can get away with having Ben Davis as a centre-back when he's on the left of the three. Yeah. And you've got someone big and tall like Eric Dyer between him and the goal. I don't think you get away with having Ben Davis as a centre-back in a back four. Van der Ven will definitely help there. He won't solve everything, but he will help. Um, in terms of conceding goals, uh, I I agree. I think we're going to concede some goals, especially in the early weeks of the season before we kind of settle into what I think will be a possession-heavy season from Spurs. I think we'll be one of the teams that have the most possession in the league. Um, I would be very surprised if we conceded as many goals as we did last season. Last season, we conceded 63 goals, which was a lot. I think we will be conceding fewer than 60 this season. So that's a lot of goals for for a team that aspires to finish in the top four or even top six. But it it would be a marked improvement. I think we should be aiming to concede around between 40 and 50. Um, But, you know, there's going to be some teething problems. Um, so how many goals are we going to have to score then? Like if we're going 80. to, it's a lot. Of, that gives us what a plus plus thirty goal difference. No, plus plus twenty goal difference. We need to be looking at a plus twenty minimum, I would say. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a lot of goals we're going to have to score. And if we take Kane out of that, that's uh, it's a lot of goals that Charlison's going to have to smack in. Yeah, okay, that that makes me nervous. I really think we can't be thinking about conceding sixty goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I just don't think I don't think we got the the oomph at the other end to be able to to live with that with that kind yeah. of rate of good yeah. conceding. I agree. I think we should be looking to con- aiming for forty to fifty. You know, if it's if yeah. it ends up at fifty, it's not the end of the world. It's uh, it's more than we would like to concede, but it's not the end of the world. Um, there's so much more to talk about from this game. So let's 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 jump off a question here from Adam TB- TDM who says, while at the game I noticed a few things that I'd like to hear you discuss. Why can't Son beat a man? He seemed to have the pace of his man today, but other than a couple of half-hearted stepovers, he didn't even really try to beat the guy. Solomon, on the other hand, came on and beat his man and everyone else's man every single time. 
in a post-Kane world, will we see Son up top and Solomon off the left? If Kane stays, when he drops off, how does the attack work? Would we look to push a midfielder or a winger into the space he's vacated, or will we not need to? Udoji once again impressed. I said Udoji, I keep meaning to correct myself. It's definitely we're going for Udoggy because that's what he said. Mm -hmm. Udoggy. Udoggy again impressed. Even defensively, he is impressive, but he doesn't seem to be playing the same role as Royale. Is that normal? At times, he was operating higher up than Madison. So, yeah, I think there's some interesting talking points there around Son, Kane, and Udoggy. Um, Son improved a lot as the game went on. I thought both Uh, wingers had strong second halves after poor first halves. But I think it is fair to say that Son's not looking to beat his man all that often. Yeah, I uh, my main talking point of preseason, I would say so far, has been that this front three is is all of them individually and collectively are poorly suited to the roles that they've been uh, the 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 typical roles that you see um, with Ange's football. Um, with that said, I mean, we talked about first half, second half earlier. I do think this is our best first half of preseason so far. Yeah. Um, I do think that they've, they've grown into their roles through preseason and through this game. I think the Sun started getting better of his man more in the second half, going outside more often in the second half, gaining crosses. Um, Kulisevsky still very much, um, not going towards the byline. Um, and that's okay. I think if you've got someone beating their man on the opposite side. Um, but also they put the ball in the back of it five times, right? So, um, it's getting there. It's getting there. I think, yeah, Sun is a very fast player, but he's definitely slower on the ball, right? He used to be more of a winger, was never a a super great, um, you know, Mm. dribble output Mm. monster, developed into this off ball runner who who runs through on goal. Um, but yeah, is, isn't really a, a, a great dribbler. This is kind of what I said before. Um, but they're getting there, right? They're adapting. I, st- I think, I mean, you've got a player of Sun's skills, Sun's talent, Sun's goal-scoring ability. He's improving. I think he's going to continue to improve to become probably not much of a better winger than Solomon, who we've picked up on a free. I just feel like it's, there's... And also, we're looking at all of these other forwards in case Kane goes... I just think Ange just overlooks <laughs> the potential of Sun playing centre forward or something else, or you know, some sort of third role where one winger is also a forward, or maybe um, maybe Madison should drop into midfield and Sun should join in the press in case of a turnover. Then Sun's through and got you know something like that, and maybe we'll come to that later mm-hmm. on. At the moment, mm-hmm. they're still learning the foundation of the system. That's it. But the moment for me. The 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 upper end potential on Sun playing this current role is is not that great. Um, but if we score five goals every game, I guess it doesn't matter too much. I think um, I'm also worried about Sun in this winger role. Like it's been a thing because he scored that one goal against Burnley, where he just ran through the entire team. Everyone started to think he's like this dribble merchant, or he's just going to dribble past everybody. But he very very rarely does in, in the game. And I think him in this role is it does it does worry me. And I think he's definitely he had a bad season last year, which is also kind of clouding my judgment on him. I definitely think he's perhaps better suited through the middle if Kane goes. Because mm-hmm. Solomon comes on and has an impact in the kind of winger tradition in a more of a traditional way he does come on because he does that a little bit better yeah i mean he's so solomon's got that low center of gravity but also he's got that insane acceleration so like son and kulisevsky i think nathan made this point a couple of weeks ago they're both really effective on the counter you know picking up the ball on the counter with a stretch defense they are really direct with their dribbling kulisevsky can beat players through brute force and strength and, and tight control Son through sheer pace and knock it past someone and absolutely blast past them Solomon has the low centre of gravity and footwork and the burst of acceleration needed to jink between players and commit them um, and, and beat them nimbly so he definitely offers something different and I think even if that's initially from the bench that's going to be a really useful asset to have and I was way too quick to write off the Solomon signing I think I've been really impressed by him in pre-season and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of him um, in the early days of the season. I I do think what we saw from Son and Kulisevsky in the second half of this game has made me feel a lot happier about them both starting. Uh, Kulisevsky in particular, I thought, had a very, very strong second half, was beating players okay. regularly, um, taking too many shots, I would say. You know, he got his assist for Kane, and it, it kind of looked like 
he grew in stature as a result of that and he just started trying things. But he was trying things a little too much and there were some quite weak shots straight at the goalkeeper that he wasn't nailing. But, you know, in, in many ways you want Kulisewski to be cutting and shooting because that's what he's brilliant at doing. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame him too much for that. Uh, Son, I feel like he needs a couple of things to go right, but I do trust that it's coming. I, I feel a lot better, and obviously Kane was absolutely outstanding in this match. Was that a shock to you, Nathan? <laughs> no, it's never a shock. Obviously, I know, I know I've been doing the we play better with Richarlison thing, but it's never a shock when Harry Kane scores a bunch of goals. Right? He's and 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 if he does stay long term, like that's going to happen again. <laughs> Basically, he's he's a tremendous player. He's adapting. You know, we saw him um, stay up with the centre-backs a bit more, although still sprinkle in a few moments, the right moments, I think, to come towards the play. Um, yeah. I, you, uh, so there's been some think, coaching, you'd say. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's been some coaching. There's been some 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 tactical planning around him and stuff. Uh, obviously, for strategic, financial, squad-building reasons, I think the smart thing to do would be to sell him this summer. However, um, if uh, if you can get him to stay on longer than one extra year, that's obviously the best thing that could happen to the club, um, despite his tactical misfit for the role. So, again, doesn't come as a shock. Um, Udogi, outstanding. Um, so good. Yeah, he's... So, so he's good. He's going to get forward more often than the other inverted fullback because he's excellent at timing runs into the box. And that's fine because then Madison can stay a step deeper and he can have a moment extra on the ball and he can be more about balls into the box than being a target in the box. And that that works out perfectly well. I'm happy with all of that. Um, Emerson Royale started over Pedro Porro. Um, I want to hear what you have to say about that. I think this was always going to happen and will happen at the start of the season, but I don't think it'll last. Um, Interesting. I think Emerson Royale is definitely seen as a safer pair of hands Yeah. Uh, as we ad- adapt to the system. But um, I just don't think he's as technically sound as Pedro Porro, frankly. And I think he hinders us in, in build-up. I think, you know, he made the mistake, as I mentioned earlier, with the, the being deep and offside. But it's not just that. What Emerson Royale is brilliant at is being an aggressive front foot defender in a low block that then wants Mm -hmm. to quickly transition and get forward. And I think he really suits a team that plays in that style. I don't think that way of playing is going to be particularly effective in this style on the halfway line. Um, He's obviously much better than Pedro Porro at 1v1 defensive situations, clearly. He's just naturally a better defender. He's more aggressive. Um, He's stronger. He's more tenacious. Uh, but I personally think what you gain from Porro uh, is over and above what you gain from Emerson Real. Like the ability in possession, the attacking uh, threat, additional crossing, shooting, passing, uh, through balls. The one example we saw, I saw a couple of examples of Emerson Real arriving in the box yesterday. One, he tries mm-hmm. a no-look pass, which was just a mess, and the other, he has a poor shot. Um I think Pedro Porro probably does something with one of those chances. And and that's something that I think will continue. Like, I'm hoping that Postacoglu is a, a big user of substitutes. We didn't really see that much last season, but, you know, we have five subs now. That means we have the capability to make lots of changes and keep players fresh. I imagine what will happen is Emerson Royal will start the season and Porro will come on and ultimately take his chance and uh, cement the place. That's the, that's the way I'm choosing to see it. Because okay. um, I simply think he's a much better player. That's not to say I don't like Emerson Real, because I do think Emerson Real is has his uses. I just don't think he's as suited to the system tactically, and I think he'd he'd be outstanding in a team that wants to play a bit deeper. Um, but I, I really like the guy, and I felt really bad for him when he got booed last year. I hated it. I thought our fans were premat- really like unfairly on his back. I didn't think his performances were anywhere near as bad as were, were being made out, and. Uh, and now I think he's being overrated. Unfortunately, I think like <laughs> it's it's swung too far the other way. I guess a bit like how it was with Sissoko. Like he was really harshly maligned, like in the stadium. And then I felt like people overcompensated for that. Um, yeah, um, we we need to acknowledge what's happening with Kane at the moment. Uh, but I, I also want to be clear that we're not going to talk a great deal about this Kane transfer situation because it's complete. Uh, it could all change by the time the podcast comes out. It could all change uh, within a couple of days. But at the time of recording, uh, David Ornstein has reported that Spurs have rejected Bayern's latest offer, which is inexplicably less than £80 million. I mean, they're really not getting the message there. Uh, but 
esteemed journalist Florian Plattenberg has said, <laughs> yes, there is still no agreement between FC Bayern and Tottenham, but I have been told that the negotiations are still ongoing. So, you know, fuck knows what's going on. The, the, we've been given loads of little snippets of information around this deal, and um, it does seem to, that there are various agendas at play, and uh, it's... Pfft, the way it's playing out in the media is not exactly enjoyable for, for anyone, but especially not Spurs fans. Um, what's the ITK saying, Wendy? What's, what's, what are they telling us? Nothing, nothing we can say. Nothing we can say publicly. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Nothing we can say publicly. But um, yeah, I mean, as it stands, we've we've got Harry Kane. It'll be wonderful to go into the season with Harry Kane in our ranks. If we don't, then then we don't. But he had a fantastic game. Harry Kane always claps the fans at the end of every match. He's one of the few players that stays out on the pitch and goes around and claps all the fans. But it definitely appeared like he had a little little tear in his eye as he was doing so. I assume knowing that it could be his last game. He doesn't cry. Kane is not emotional at all. He's he's a businessman. He's a businessman tapping penalty guy. He, he's <laughs> not going to get emotional at all. I think it's quite clear now that he, he's going. And now it's just we're just waiting for Bayern to, to put the money down. I think Spurs are, have accepted it. They just give us the money and he's yours. So, yeah, I think it's done. Uh, okay, that, thank you for saying that, buddy, because that softened my blow. I, I was going to come down like a ton of bricks. Here's the thing, right? We've already lost Harry Kane, mm. right? We lost Harry Kane across three moments when we failed to improve the squad in the summer of 2018, when we hired Jose Mourinho, when we hired Antonio Conte, right? When we tried to appease him with big name coaches. And and ever since, is it February, I came on the podcast and said, Kane's, Kane's gone, right? Because... At that point, like he he'd given it a go with a couple of big name coaches, and it was clear that we we were going to have to build up from the start again. That, that we couldn't just build go from the back of of Pochettino's run to being a, a win now club without having um, absurd resources to simply provide the likes of, of Mourinho and Conte with the best team in the league, right? Because that doesn't exist in a league where you, when you're Tottenham and also when City exist, right? So whether Kane goes this summer or not, he will go next summer. Like banking on him signing a new contract next season is such a folly, in my opinion. I I really believe in in Postecoglou and his football, and and I'm personally going to get swept away with it. But I don't think that that Kane will. I think that you have to make your peace with Kane going. Um, I think that you should have made your peace with Kane going. A few months ago, um, and and taking this summer as a win, if we if we don't accept a bid, if if Bayern fail to put up a proper bid, which they should hurry up and do, um, like obviously I don't want to police anyone, tell anyone how to enjoy their fandom, mm. but I think that this will come back to sting you when he leaves on a free next summer. I think that's going to really fucking suck, and that's why I would prefer for him to go this summer with a fee with a starting again and I, I just feel like that that is is uh the imagination of that is going over the head of a lot of Spurs fans I'm sorry I'm sorry to be to be to be dad to be mean <laughs> to, to come in and but like he's he's already gone he already went it's already done it's a real shame because Madison I think Madison and Kane could do something beautiful and yeah. for for those people of a, of a certain age will remember Spurs when we had Chris Waddle and then we signed Gary Lineker and then Waddle left and we just had that um, we signed Gary Lineker yeah and we had Chris Waddle and we had, all of a sudden we had this provider and then a striker and it could have been incredible and this Madison Kane thing could have been amazing with Kane turning into just a predator a penalty box merchant Madison whacking it onto his head every time it could have been something incredible but it won't be because he's been sold and we have to move on this day was coming and it is better like Nathan says we send selling him over to Germany out of sight out of mind don't worry about yep. him and we, we move the thing is, he goes to Chelsea, he goes to Arsenal, he goes somewhere, he doesn't care. Um, so let's sell him and move on. <laughs> He's not going to Chelsea or Arsenal. Of course stop, he will. Stop <laughs> dooming. He's not going to Chelsea or Arsenal. I'm not going to go that far. Ridiculous. I won't go that far anymore. I, don't, I hope he stays, just so we can see it then. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, don't, don't say things you're going to regret later. Of course. Marley, man. Come on, of dude. Of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, so, so Jumpin' Joe said, how close to a lineup against Brentford do you think the lineup against Shakhtar was? Um... Pretty close, right? I think it is pretty close. I mean, obviously, Basuma will come yeah. in for someone. He'll come in for Hoybjerg. I think that he should come in for Saar. We should talk about Saar. Should we try to put off talking about Saar for another week, Wendy? <laughs> we I should talk about Saar. Well, it depends which which way you two are going to swing, because I I quite like him. I I, okay. I really take it to him this preseason. I've already had always had a soft spot for him, but he's really grown on me. A lot of Spurs fans seem to take it to him this summer, and also Postacoglu has taken to him this summer, and I feel differently. I feel like he's technically limited. Uh, I think that he can develop in those areas. Um, I think that he slows us down. I think that he his his passes are incredibly um, readable. Um, I would prefer for Hoybjerg to stay in the team as Basuma comes in and then one of them plays as the six, one of them plays the eight. I don't really mind too much, which I, yeah. And uh, the thing is that Saad is taking up an increasingly defensive role, sort of going into right back areas, at which point you go, okay, that's kind of, that's fine. That allows him to run in straight lines and just cover turf. Um, But I, I, yeah, I find myself frustrated with him when he's on the ball quite a bit and look again I'm saying he's a young player he can develop he can be coached he has a high potential he's got really good attributes I'm just saying right now in terms of picking our starting 11 I'm a little confused by what what Postacoglu is is seeing in him but that isn't that the whole point though isn't that the whole point of this this why are we playing Hjoibia when there's just nothing else to come from him he's, he's a he's an orange that's been squeezed all the juice is out Saar is somebody who can still develop and he needs game time and we're just not okay if this whole thing the next six months is about learning and improving and getting the system i just think you have to go with the future and shoibia is not that the future is madison Saar, uh basuma these guys i think shoibia we just there's nothing left there for, with him it's like trying to i don't know like trying to train davinson sanchez to play this role or tanganga or Reg- region mm. they're just yeah we've seen this we've seen it millions of times but i think shoibia has played well in pre-season I think he's been good. Punting it into the air and then... <laughs> Why did again, he do that? I, don't see. I watched it back. It doesn't make any more sense. It doesn't make any it. sense. It's pure, it's pure panic. He panicked in a pre-season friendly. What's he going to do when it really matters? He punts it down the pitch and then Shakhtar wander back up and whip it in and then it's a goal. But but I think it's unfair to say that that's like a, a characteristic Hoybier part. Like I've not seen him do anything as wild as that in the ever. No, because he's stat pads. He normally just passes it one meter. He doesn't even kick it out when someone's injured because he doesn't want it to count against his, his numbers. So <laughs> it was weird when he did that. It was weird. It, I I thoroughly agree. It was weird. I didn't understand it. Um, uh, Hoybier is better than Saar right now. And I think that yeah. is... There's absolutely no debate as to whether Hoybier or Saar are the better player right now. I think... What it comes down to is what Bardi says. Do you do you believe that Saar will benefit enough from these minutes right now and grow and become a really crucial or even just a better player than Hoybier in our midfield? Um, he's 20. Uh, he turns 21 in September. Uh, I, I, I like Saar. I think he's got a lot about him. I think he's got a lot of um, uh, technical characteristics that I, I struggle with uh, having watched a lot of academy football because I think he um, lacks where other players I've watched over many years at Spurs excel. And, you know, he's very good tactically. And I think that's what Postacogli likes. He's incredibly good in transitions. He's very good at covering ground with his his kind of like a rangy, like really long limbs. Uh, he gets a toe in and meets things really well with that kind of physicality and also anticipation and he's tactically really sound but I think 
technically he struggles. I think his ball striking is not good. I think Nathan's right. I think Saar will start against Brentford. I think Royale will start against Brentford. And I think the only change will be Basuma will come in for Hoybier, assuming everyone's fit and assuming Kane hasn't left by then. I, I do think it's fair to say that um, we dedicated five minutes of discussion to basically who's going to warm Benton Court's place for a couple of That's the of months, thing, right? right? So, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Um, I, I mean, the thing is, like, Saar could develop and and become outstanding. Mm-hmm. That Like, that's not unheard of for a player yeah. to, to just explode. And it's really hard to predict these things. And, you know, I've watched a lot of youth players and I've felt like a lot of players were going to explode and they didn't. And it doesn't happen so much the other way. Like, there aren't many that really surprise me that go on to become exceptional. I just didn't see at all. Um, but it's certainly there's certainly been a good few that like Josh Onomer I thought was going to be an outstanding absolutely outstanding player and for reasons he, he just really hasn't become that um, yeah I mean I don't think I'd have watched Pat Matasara at youth level and thought yeah he's the one he's the one to watch oh um, is Troy Parrott injured or yes sadly he is okay. he is, okay. he is injured and has been the whole of preseason which is a real pity for him it okay. would have been nice to see him um, having said that you know he's another striker that drops deep so I don't think he's going to be exactly mm. what Postacoglu wants from a forward whereas Scarlett is uh, let's talk about Scarlett for a minute let's talk about Scarlett for a minute because a lot of people didn't recognise Dane Scarlett when he came on in this match because he looks so physically different mm. how did you feel about that? Uh, good to see that he's he's worked on his his physical profile. Um, sometimes uh, I feel like that isn't done when it seems clear, like Josh Onomer, like Brian Hill, you know. Uh, and I've talked before, sort of more nuanced about the difficulties, the downsides to putting on muscle when you're a middle distance athlete, essentially. Um, that these things are a bit complicated. But but if you're getting bodied. <laughs> develop a body right um so that's good good um yeah scarlet's a really good profile fit i have been quietly lower on scarlet than i think wendy's nodding which is interesting uh i've been quietly lower on scarlet <laughs> i've dubbed you in now than i think most sort of youth orientated spurs fans have been um, because I see him as somewhat limited, but those limits are the profile that Poscoglu looks for in his number nine. So maybe that's going to work out. Whereas Para, I'm really quite interested in, although he's had a rough season with injuries and, and such. Mm. Yeah. I like um, Scarlett was, is that one of these guys that you used to go to school with? You'd break for summer holidays, come back in September and just someone in your class has just turned into a man. He comes back and that's what he looks like. <laughs> he looks like someone who's had a growth spurt. Um, I've also, I think I even asked you, you guys what's his one outstanding feature because he doesn't seem to be like super quick he wasn't super strong uh but that was a really nice goal the defense really nice goal really nice goal off his left foot as well i liked it It reminded me like of of like peak luca tony that's the, what he would do back to goal touch out of his feet spin and whack it in and um those who who know luca tony he was an insane striker in his, in his latter years in the box he could just do crazy things so i really like that um so maybe maybe there's something there in him I just haven't seen enough of, of, of Troy Parrott. But that was a lovely goal and it was a nice moment. Yeah. I kind of feel similarly to Nathan. I mean, Scarlett for me has always been a really excellent finisher and has a mm. variety of finishes and scores with his head as well. Um, but secretly, I just sort of wondered if he was going to become Darren Bent. Um, that was like what I had in my head, like a real shoulder player who who makes good runs but isn't really good with his back to goal and doesn't have enough variety in his game to do anything other than run onto things and finish. And I don't think that would have been enough for him. So to see him come back and look literally twice the man uh, and be able to like hold defenders off, which he struggled to do in the Europa Conference League games for us, um, it was really encouraging. And if he can get well coached and, and turn that, that newfound... Uh, muscle mass into an ability to you know really wrestle with a center back then there's a there's an exciting prospect there i um i said on twitter earlier on today that i'd be very keen for dane scarlett to go on loan to either the eredivisie or the superliga i think he struggled in league one i think we struggle uh in this country for some teams struggle in this country at trusting loanees to just like work out figure out their problems and uh and we don't give them enough time 
And Spurs have really had an issue with finding the right clubs for its loanies. I think sending him abroad and letting him play in a league which is highly technical and maybe a little less physical would be a, a, a great benefit to him and give him a full season. Get, let him play all season and see what happens. Uh, I think he'd absolutely tear up the, the Eredivisie, to be honest. I think he'd be fantastic. And I think technically that would be really useful for him because they, you know, he needs to learn how to play in an intricate style. Uh, something he's he's not really had an opportunity to play in until now. But yeah, I, I was really pleased to see him come on and score a really good goal. It was excellent. Um, we, we've spoken about Kane, but there's a lot more going on on the transfer front. We actually signed a player this weekend, which is nice. So Ashley Phillips has signed from Blackburn Rovers. I have some insights on Phillips from an anonymous correspondent who knows stuff. Uh, so here's what the person says. I always describe Phillips as a racehorse. He's a physical specimen, still growing mm. in his body and only just turned 18. He's a decent all-rounder rather than having a standard attribute. There's lots of room to grow in each area with the high ceiling. He needs some time in the under-21s and then alone next season. But he's a really nice and humble lad, a bit of a gentle giant, but he's physical on the pitch. He's right-footed, solid and mature on the ball. Uh, I haven't seen him look to carry or really progress the ball much and is probably stylistically more of a cat, but could develop the more front for star once he learns to use his size. Yeah, that's that's that matches with my read. Obviously, I don't know about his, his character too much, but I mean, there's there's not a lot of footage of him. He's not played a huge amount of senior football, um, but from what I've seen, yeah, he, he he's a, a physical standout. He's he's a big man. We we're just talking about Scarlett, but Phillips at his young age um, is a is a f- very much a fully grown man and fast. Um, and the rest of his game um, is is coming along, but it's going to take a while. I think under twenty ones and alone makes sense too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a short interview with him on the Spurs site. I think it was on the Twitter feed at least, and he seems absolutely delightful. So so watch that and uh, get some positive vibes. He's a very nice young man. Um, very excited for him. He's he's joined straight in with first team training, by the way, which I thought was. Was worth noting. Um, looks like Mickey van der Ven will also sign in the coming days. Uh, Nathan's talked about him a little bit already. Um, what Pastor Coglu said about his potential signing I thought was intriguing. He said, we need some bolstering in that central defensive area. We need defenders who can work in an aggressive formation, defend well and cover behind them. We'll be looking to bring in a couple in that area in the coming days. No huge surprises. Where are they all going to sit? Like, there's there's like nearly 40 first-team players now. Well, buddy, funny you ask. So the reporting today from Alistair Gold, amongst others, is that we are open to offers for Hugo Lloris, Davinson Sanchez, Joe Roden, Jaffet Tanganga, Sergio Regulon, Jed Spence, Tangai, Tongi Ndombele. God, and he's a Tangai. <laughs> Who? Never heard of him. <laughs> Harvey <laughs> White, Pierre Milhoybier, and maybe, maybe Ivan Perisic. Your boy's uh, in there. You two, you spent all year, all season, last season coming after me and our manager at the time about not playing Spence. And now your manager's come in and, and he's kicking him out. How do you feel yeah, about get that? Get him out. Get rid of him. Useless. <laughs> Doesn't know how to defend. Very immature player. I've never read him personally. I mean, you guys just went Jed Spence, Jed Spence for our entire season. Oh, he's on loan. Sending me clips of, of stuff he'd done playing for, I don't know, Paris FC or something. And now, <laughs> and now Post- the who's come in and, and three weeks later he's gone don't like him and you got you two are just like yeah he's, he's not very good so I think, I, I think he's very good I think he's very good but I also think it's fine that Postacoglu doesn't want him like it's a position we're really well stocked in and got three right backs we, we need to sell players we, we've got a we've got a one competition season and you you don't need three right backs and so Poro's better than Spence yes yes, okay. yes Emerson Royale is better than Spence he's I don't At think role? I don't think he's better than Spencer long term, but I think right now he is. I think Jed Spencer is going to be a really good player. So one of the suggestions in I think this is an article from Dan, Dan Kilpatrick is that we will offer Jed Spence to Nottingham Forest as an option in part exchange for Brennan Johnson, their their forward slash winger. Uh, we'll we'll offer them Jed Spence, Joe Roden, and or Brian Hill as part of any deal. Uh, you know we don't Brian see Hill's many... in there as well. Another one of your faves. Your man. Another good player, players. but I'm I'm fine with Postacoglu 
doing whatever he needs to do with his squad. Like I'm, I'm all in. Okay. Let him do what he needs to do. I am a little glad that Brian Hill is injured because it means he won't move this window and means he might get a look in at some games during the season before mm. January. And I think that there could be a there could be a place for him in the squads. Like if we're looking at Brennan Johnson, um, I don't want to get dedicate too much time in the podcast to Brennan Johnson. Like we're looking at in Johnson. Um, we're looking at another squad level rotational winger at the level of Solomon, right? Is that fair to say, Wendy? You think he's better than that? I, I mean, he, you're right in the sense that he's not going to start over Sonor Kulusevski, so right. I think we have to see him like that. But I think he is. I think it's fair to say that he has a higher ceiling than Solomon and is already more established as a Premier League player than Solomon. Okay. No, I, wait. You would take Bernard Johnson over Solomon. I really don't know about this. This this might be one of your wildest takes. I mean, I'm fully in on on Solomon over Johnson. I think Johnson is just not good, not good at all. He can run fast in a straight line. Uh, nice, but yeah, that's about it. So um, for me, like if we're looking at sort of squad level dribbly winger guys, we've already got Brian Hill in the squad. We've already got already got even Parisic in the squad. Yeah. Like if for me, if we're gonna go get a winger. Um, you know, because that's an important profile for Postacoglu, then go big, right? Use the cane money if that's coming in um, and look for someone who's going to potentially take Sun or Kulusevski's place in the first 11. I'm talking about, okay, Matoma's probably too expensive, but Nico Williams, um, like a, a real high quality winger. But to bring in just another guy who will come off the bench because we're not playing European football, I, I don't see the, the point too much. I agree with that. I'd rather the money we're going to spend on Brennan Johnson just give it to charity rather than, sp- <laughs> rather than spend it on Johnson. Um, my ITK says that Elise is going to Man City, so I, then otherwise go by him. But um, I agree, we're just wasting our time going for Brennan Johnson. Let him let him be in Nottingham Forest. I'd rather keep Brian Hill. I just think the profile is really quite different between those players, and you know we're talking about needing a player. Um, a tricky, tricky player mm. who has has um, acceleration, low central gravity. I do think Johnson matches that profile more than any of our other wingers. I think I think he's significantly different to our other wingers. I think he also gives the option of playing him as a striker if needs be, and and I think this is the crucial thing: homegrown. And if they if they mm. are thinking long term that we do need a few more homegrown players in the squad. Then I think Johnson makes some sense, like as one of the better, one of the better young homegrown players who, at just twenty-two, has like four thousand Championship minutes and nearly three thousand Premier League minutes and a thousand minutes for Wales. Like you don't get many players of his age who have that much experience. So that's why I think we're showing an interest. Um, but if homegrown wasn't an issue, yeah, I wouldn't be signing him at all. I think there are there are better options out there. Uh, but I can see why they're including him in their searches if they're kind of trying to tick off a certain number of um, particular attributes and, and homegrown is one of them. Uh, so we're going to sign another attacker, Alejo Veliz, um, who none of us had heard of until about 10 days ago. Um, it's an interesting signing because the stylistic fit doesn't seem like a typical Postacoglu stylistic fit, Nathan. No, no. So uh, Veliz is very much a, a penalty box striker um i think he's a really exciting uh, prospect um he is a, a absolute monster aerially he's a dominant dominant aerial player he's six he's only six one or six two i think but um he you know he looks plays strong. Like a six seven yeah he's strong again a young a, like phillips like van der ven um he's a teenager who is a physical specimen, right? A, a dominant physical specimen. Um, but beyond that, he's got this is this. So I I mentioned something on Twitter that I think um, again my fault. I was vague with. Um, I talked about his. Um, he doesn't get in behind much. Don't misconstrue that. He's very good at moving off the ball, right? His in the box off the ball movement, like we talked about the other week with Kane, ability to to leave a shoulder, um, gaining two, three, four yards of separation um, for balls coming in from from wide areas and things like that. I think he's exceptional at uh, short through balls um, when he's already starting in the box. That all of that stuff looks really promising. What I was talking about, where I feel like he's not a great fit, um, is deeper in build up, um, 
can he get on the end of a Kane or Madison over the top long through ball? For me, no. And that's not something that you can just learn because you have to be naturally very fast to do that. And so the retort to that is, but wait, I thought we're going to play most of the game with the opposition in their own box. And he's great at attacking in the box, which makes sense, right? But um, one of the main reasons the opposition are forced to defend in their own box is because Postacoglu plays with the number nine, who's really, really threatening and getting him behind. So the opposition are scared and are forced to drop off, right? So you achieve the box dominance through a nine who can, who could have potentially ran into it and got through one on one. So that's why for me, Valise isn't great, um, isn't a great fit. Although he's still, don't get me wrong, he's still an exciting prospect. I still rate him highly as a as a as a teenager, right? Um, with all of that said, I think if you um, if you're dominating a, a smaller team, um, if you're dominating a smaller team, um, and you know that you're already just they're already going to defend the box because that's how they play, then he makes sense for that. If you have been dominating a game and it's 75 minutes you bring him on, um, then he can dominate that kind of situation, right? But I think sometimes he's going to be a bit of a, a profile misfit. And I think if you look at, uh, is it Giacomakis? I think um, the the Greek guy at Celtic, um, then he personally played well. He personally scored a lot of goals on a per-minute basis. But Celtic struggled with his inability to threaten him behind. And also his defensive game wasn't good, whereas I don't have such of a read on um, Verlee's defensive game. Um, so a little undecided there. But I don't want to put too much of that. I mean, he's still he's still a really cool, fun prospect. I'm really glad to see Spurs scouting in South America, looking at getting talents directly from there at a young age, bringing them through our system and coaching them. I think that's that's really good to see. Okay, so the other linked strikers this week are Gift Auburn, who is a a young twenty one year old talent. Uh, full disclosure, never seen him play before. Do you know much about him, Nathan? A little bit, yeah. He um he's a really interesting story in that he was playing like amateur football as recently as of like three years ago, uh, or like semi pro football. You know, um, got picked up by a second division Norwegian team. Um, scored buckets of goals moved to to Ghent continues to score buckets of goals um so he's um really fast gets in behind um can get a shot off from anywhere really powerful accurate shooting he's overperforming his expected goals by huge numbers <laughs> so that's going to come down but um he's still a really exciting prospect getting really cool that we're looking at um a bunch of young players uh, continuously across the board here. We're going to talk about Taremi in a moment. <laughs> um, he's mostly played as part of a two-man forward line, and so there would be doubts over his ability to adapt to playing as a lone number nine. But for me, the profile is there. A little bit of back-to-goal link-up stuff isn't isn't too bad. Runs in behind, shoots and scores. That's kind of what you want from your... Um, Kyogo number nine for Postacoglu. So um, I'm a little worried that he's kind of really hyped at the moment um, and that that would affect his price. But um, definitely, definitely an exciting player and a, and a profile fit. Okay. And uh, Mehdi Taremi, who is completely different, a much older, more experienced player who, again, is, is um, very impressive in terms of his expected goals. Um, he's currently playing. Where is he playing for? He's Porto. playing. He's an. Yep. He's a yes. goal machine. Late blooming goal machine who would smash in goals most places. But he's old. But he's available for a cheap price. Yeah. He is um, bizarrely near uniquely a pretty strong profile match for Harry Kane. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> does a load of assists. Does a load of goals. Inter are looking hard at him because they they need a striker. Uh, but they got no money. Um, so there's a yeah, there's a lot of lot of um lot of talk about him. He's just he's just a bit too old for us. But he I think he would come in and, and score some goals for sure. I just think if you've got Richarlison, what what you're looking for a thirty one year old to do, you know? Yeah. Valise and Auburn make more sense, even though Valise isn't a great profile fit in my opinion. Um but yeah, you know, fun and sad to be looking at young forwards. It's a I, I don't really understand <laughs> Tarimi, I, I need to I need to know more information about his career Wait, just, because he's really good. Yeah, but he's really good. Like, why is he thirty one and not played that many minutes? 
<laughs> very late bloomer. Right. Yeah. Like he just he just spent didn't really until I think when he went to Portugal before the team before Porto that that's when he kind of popped up mm. and um, he's improving every year. He's just got better and better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it matches. We we know that Spurs have taken a day to their recruiting recruitment um, exercise this summer, and we know that they've engaged uh, outside companies for um, insights. I guess is the only word I can think to sum up what I think we're getting from these external agencies. Um, so that would make sense as someone who's been identified through data, but it doesn't match the rest of the strategy, which has been to sign young players. So I I was surprised to see that link, a 31-year-old, to be honest. Um, that said, if the, if the age profile of the squad is coming down significantly in all other areas, there's nothing wrong with signing a 31-year-old in a short-term contract at all. I think that's fine. Like, I've got no problem with that, especially if it's a good deal, like Bardi said. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, seem, it certainly seems like we've got some irons in the fire and that a lot more is going to happen uh, in the transfer window. It just might not happen before the the Brentford game next week. So this is the last pod before we play we play Brentford. Um, we haven't really done any kind of predictions or speculation around what we ha- think will happen this season. Um, so let's just end on a, a, a not a prediction as such, but um, it looks like a strong league this year, a strong Premier League. There's a lot of teams that have improved. Um, there's a lot of teams you can expect to improve, like Chelsea under Pochettino, for example. Do you think Spurs have got what it takes to be in the mix for the, the top four, Bardi? Or do you think that's a bit unrealistic at this stage? I think we'll be in the mix. I think I think we'll be in the mix. I think it's going to be a good end to the season and a wobbly start. And that's me being really optimistic. And I've, I've been a bit down about everything Tottenham with how everything's kind of panned out this summer. But I think I think we'll be in the mix. I think we'll ultimately fall a little bit short. But um, yeah, there'll be some goals. There'll be some chaos. There'll be some drama. But I think it'll be all right. Nathan, where's your sort of optimism level at um, going into the season? Yeah, top four feels 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 doable. I sort of sort of don't care too much, um, and I can't remember feeling that way. I just I'm just looking forward to good football, and and I'll start worrying about about top four next year. To be honest, mm. I just have a funny feeling that. The Arsenal, I just, I just don't see them repeating what they did last last season. I just don't think they've replaced the goals in their team. So I don't think they've got enough goals up front. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I feel, I guess, similar to Nathan in that I don't really care too much. But I don't think top four is quite realistic this year. I think more realistic is top six, um, just because of all the the massive amount of change that's happening and adjusting to a new system. Like Barley said, I think can imagine a slow start. I, I don't necessarily think uh, Brentford is a is a good starting match for us at all. I think, you know, City came on stuck against Brentford twice last year. We have seen we can come on and start to counter-attacks. Uh, I don't like that as an opening fixture and I wouldn't be surprised if we lost, but I don't think there's any need to panic. I think we need to just stick with this for a few months and see what happens. And I, I feel really excited to see the type of football we're going to play. Um, I do think it's a really strong, strong, strong league. And I unfortunately think Arsenal, I think it's repeatable. And I think they'll probably come up short again, but I think they'll be second. <laughs> no, way. no way. Uh, I think Man United have, have done all right. I think Newcastle will drop out of the top four this season. Do I just you? Where's that? One, I don't rate the manager. And two, I don't think they, their football will, will work with the Champions League effort and everything else. I think they'll struggle this year and Eddie Howe will end up being a little bit under pressure, maybe could get fired towards the end it, of it. It's certainly another challenge having that extra competition. I think so. And yeah. expectation, not just not just everything else, is now an expectation upon them. Whereas before it was just like, oh, this is this is a kind of fun adventure. Let's see where we go. Now mm. they're a Champions League team, spending Champions League money. And I don't think their owners are going to be as friendly towards Eddie Howe as, as perhaps he thinks they will be. I think mm. Arsenal have an issue in terms of goals. I think Saka is, is great. I think Martinelli fell off a cliff. I just don't think they've got enough goals in their front line to do anything. Chelsea, I don't know. We'll see what Pochettino does. Man U, fair enough. City, fair enough. But I think it's, I think Liverpool, maybe Spurs. I think we're in contention for top four, but we really need to see what happens early. We can't lose a lot of points early on. So I have us below um, City, Arsenal, Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool. And then I think it's us, Brighton, and to be honest, maybe Newcastle and Villa. Uh, there's some good teams this year, though, and you know we shouldn't be ashamed. Be ashamed to uh, 
be in the the mix with teams of that calibre, particularly in our first season under Postacoglu. So they all got I Europe, think- man. They've all got it. And for the first time, we don't have it in Villa, Brighton, whichever one, I can't remember which one's in the Europa League, in the Europa Conference, they're all going to be dashing around Europe. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.